Man, that's really sad that Undertaker died. <laughs> was that what happened? I guess he I guess he I guess he was getting up there in years. He he certainly <sighs> passed away in a dramatic fashion from what I saw. What would you designate his death by? Slowly sinking into a, a stage platform? Um putting over a guy who didn't deserve it. <laughs> Man, that's that's really sad that uh we didn't get a 20-second uh, win at WrestleMania for Undertaker. Yeah. Too, too bad yeah. he retired then. After 21 wins at, at WrestleMania. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and, and pretend I know everything you're talking about. Welcome to David Doesn't Understand Wrestling, the show where uh, Alan and... Um, dead palette try to explain wrestling to me and i said undertaker undertaker never lost a single wrestlemania match except for that one time (laughs) except for that one time so he did it for 21 times he won 21 times and then he lost to brock lesnar and uh people have said hey i wasn't expecting that so it was a good thing not really (laughs) because they didn't do much with it honestly that whole thing with Paul Heyman, though. Have you seen that shoot interview with Paul Heyman, where he was, was talking, he, where he was talking about the actually possi- yes, no matter what, possi- yes. He was talking about the possibility that uh, that Brock went off book and beat the Undertaker. It's it's an amazing interview. Uh, 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 we'll watch it after recording. But, I did yeah. not know that. It is. <laughs> Even if it's bullshit, it paints the picture of Paul Heyman being the greatest storyteller in all of professional wrestling. Because he is. Yes, he he's. God. <laughs> well, that, that's why we. That's why we focused on him for um, malnourished and management. Oh, that's right. That was. That's based off Paul Heyman. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. Anyway. Little plugs uh, here and there. We yeah. are our joint Halloween project from what two years ago? Yes. Yeah, that was that was that was fun. Yeah, I, I look back on both those episodes really fondly. Um, I do. I do uh, think that it was probably a good time for Undertaker to retire. Everybody's got to retire at some point. I think, uh, like I said, I only have the most rudimentary knowledge of professional wrestling, but I, as long as I've known wrestling, in my opinion, I feel like I've known who the undertaker is. And so to know that he stepped down and to actually watch the part where he stepped down and left his, you know, his, his hat and coat in the ring and he walks away to everybody, just the accolades and just the cheers. And I'm just like, she was like, wow, there goes a legend. Uh, It's also, it's important because behind the scenes, he's also a legend. He's known as like one of the nicest real life people. And someone so, who like genuinely cares about the business, if that makes any sense. Yeah, Matt. Uh, Matt Holly uh, told me about that. He's uh, he's usually he's usually my sort of go-to person if I have any questions about professional wrestling. So. Yeah, he's he's a really cool guy. You can actually see videos of him online doing like make wishes and stuff, and it's really cool. How awesome is that? Yeah, he's an awesome guy. Good on you, Undertaker. Yeah. 
But don't let The Undertaker's retirement distract you from the fact that in 1998, The Undertaker threw mankind out of <laughs> a cell and plummeted 16 feet through an announcer's table. How, um, how did this become a meme? Where, oh, where did this... Let me explain to you real quick the beauty of Shitty Morph. Welcome to Undercooked Analysis. Uh, we're going to pick up where we left off on um, uh, Forensic, which is the first part of the Forensic Journals. Um... I will explain Shitty Morph, though, in two seconds. So there was a Reddit thread, I guess it had something to do with, like, collective collecting uh, Pez dispensers, and, um, or maybe it had to do with aliens, I don't remember, it's either alien or, or Pez dispensers, but either way, what happened was, there was something that was showing okay. an alien head Pez dispenser. I, 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 have, I have the origins right here. All right. Uh, on January 19th, 2017, Redditor Shitty Morph replied to a post on RPix highlighting a portrait of Salt Bay made out of salt, urging readers, don't let this man distract you from the fact that in 1998, The Undertaker <laughs> threw mankind off Hell in a Cell and plummeted 16 feet through an announcer's table. On February 6, 2017, Redditor Science Lives Inside Me replied to a photograph of a dog on the R.A. subreddit with Scooby-Doo-themed variation on the copypasta. In response, Redditor Shitty Morph replied explaining that the message was something he'd been posting for weeks. Um... I usually adjust the statement to whatever the post is related to. I've been getting a laugh out of doing it and making, and other people have seemed to enjoy it too. So essentially, he just replies to things randomly, like "Don't let so and so distract <laughs> you from the fact that in 1998, the Undertaker threw mankind off Hell in a Cell and plummeted 16 feet through an announcer's table." <laughs> well, that makes That's more sense than the, the way I found it. But way to steal my thunder, Alan. No problem. All right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Nikita. Right. So, uh, last episode, you may have noticed that I omitted to mention uh, verbally the plug for uh, the DeviantArt, because he is taking commissions. It's already it, well, it's already in the description, no matter where you are, because I, I refuse to let that just stand. But you're going to want to go to nickcar.deviantart.com. That is where you want to go. And you could click, you could search, the, you could look at the video description... Mm -hmm. Look at the audio description. Yep. Just look at the description. It's there. It's and, there. And over the next few days, Nickelodeon got a lot of complaints from parents. What was Nickelodeon's response? They Glorious. put the show... Glorious. I mean... Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm so glorious. Actually, um, where where did we leave off? Uh, what what happened It was It was night? the mid-2000s. Yeah, that is. Ex I, I have it highlighted. That's that was the one where we left off. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was yes. it was the that mid 2000s, and um, everyone was still listening to Blue by Eiffel 65. Oh yeah. You know what? Which had that's come out the previous year, on 1999. The rumor come out. Does Eiffel 65 is cannibal? <laughs> The rumor come out. Does Eiffel 65 participate in the 1999 deletion wars that deleted all of all of pop culture before 1999? <laughs> it, uh, that that freaking Eurodance stuff. What can I say? Euro, Euro endurance. Euro, um, Euro endurance. It was the mid 2000s. Frederick had uh, just completed. Um, Season one of Happy Happy. He kidnapped some children to help him with the show. The most famous kids he kidnapped were Miranda Bolia, Ray 
Danny Bolia, Quincy Jenkins, and Abigail J. What makes these kids particularly famous? <laughs> Maybe famous and happy happy lore, I think is what they mean. Anyway, the kids would be forced to work on the new season on for the new the kids would be forced to work for the new season two, which they like what uh when they liked it or not. So sometimes they liked it, sometimes they didn't. The show would be renamed the Sad Happy Pincushion Show to reduce the police's chance of finding Frederick. Tronian Tronian, you can't just introduce this new lore to us and come on man. The can He's is introducing important. he's introducing new lore to us in something that's exposed supposed to explain a backstory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for some reason this is the only thing that bothers me. <laughs> so this is turning into 1999. Oh my god, sad happy pincushion show. Remember that? Remember it. It's important. Oh man. He fed the kids daily, however. He he fed the kids daily, however, and didn't make them starve to death. <laughs> How did he get the food though? Even though he w- was a wanted criminal? There's our first one for the reading! And this is the first proper one that is followed by, well... Well, in 2000, he looked different, to say the least. He tore some of his own hair out and dyed it red. Wait, hold on. He dyed the hair he tore out red? <laughs> <laughs> he wore sunglasses every time he went outside, so no one would see his eyes. To physically top it off, he grew a beard, which he also dyed red. He also changed his identity to Jake Williamson. (laughs) (laughs) So, basically, he looks like um, Max Landis. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, oh, this uh, this is good. This is good. This is glorious. I'm sorry, am I reading that wrong? He tore some of his own hair out and dyed it red. No, you're reading that right. Okay. I just imagined him... No, he he tore all his hair out. He dyed it red because he dyed his hair blue. Dabba-dee-dabba-dye. The hair on his head, at least. Uh, Is it me? Sure. All right. On October 21st, 2000, he filmed his first snuff episode titled Napoleon, The Big Help. Oh, God. He forced June, the mother of Ray Danny Bolia, to fight Happy. After a while, an unknown person who was credited as Jake Williamson's number one fan mimicked Happy's voice. Frederick, wearing regular clothes and a ski mask, came in and brutally murdered June. At the end, a crying Danny walked in and lit the happy puppet on the happy Appy puppet on fire. Frederick threatened to kill him next and stormed off screen. However, even though Frederick was mad at Danny, he sent a load of copies of the episode to undisclosed black markets in Russia, Germany, and Italy, India. <laughs> I, fe- I feel like I feel like um, how do I put this into words? Uh, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the story is turning into 1999 before our very eyes. Yo, God. Okay. 
Are we still having fun? I don't know if I'm having fun anymore. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I am. Well, uh, I, I'm not having fun at the very moment that I'm saying this, but I'm sure in a few moments, paragraph or two, I'll be right back in Smiles Town. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately for Frederick, and fortunately for the children, the snuff film thing wasn't going to last. After filming and sending Happy Rots in Hell in 2001, the police found his house. An anonymous contributor, who is most likely Kevin Christensen, told the Colorado police force that Frederick Gorgat was hiding out at a house outside Alma. The police got there and broke open the door. They found no one but heard crying in the basement. They went inside and found out that Danny, Miranda, and Abigail were still alive. They got the two out and sent Abigail to her parents. Danny and Miranda would be adopted by an infertile couple. <laughs> Important details. <laughs> However, Danny would have nightmares about his experience for years to come. However, they couldn't find Frederick since he ran up into the woods. <laughs> his natural habitat. Okay, okay. That old Frederick back I, to his cat-killing ways. I love, I love that it's established in this universe that running off into the woods is a perfect, infallible escape scenario. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time he's done it, too, honestly. One might ask where Kevin Christensen... Got the information. I was that... just going to ask about that. Seriously. In fucking Alma, Colorado. But hey, what do I know? It's so, natural. So I, I I have to admit that I I needed a second because my brain was mixing up the names Kevin Christensen and Jake Williamson. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're just so samey. Uh you know what? Here's uh, another weird thing. You, you uh, need, well, you need, uh, in accordance with Bolson, uh, you know, manufacturing rules, their names had to end in son. Da-dun. Yeah. Da-dun. Da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> Any gamers in the audience? Um, <laughs> you would know, because you're a pro gamer who also happens mm. to be named Carson. Yes. <laughs> Dead Pallinson. Dead Pallinson. Uh, the police raided angered Frederick, making him long for another kill. He got his chance when he heard that the former voice of Happy Happy, Tristan Ye, was on a new show called Fright House Screamers. Ooh, we're linking back into Fright House Screamers. Ooh. Frederick decided to crash the episode they were filming. When Jonathan Taylor was going down a hall in the asylum they were filming at, Frederick stabbed him in the back. After slicing him up, Frederick tied a rope around Taylor's foot, similar to how he tied up Tristan Ye. Once he got <laughs> the other end of the rope tied around a very heavy cinder block, he threw Jonathan's body down a hole, hole, hole in the hallway. Once he heard the conversation between Tristan and Jim about Jonathan, Frederick proceeded to sneak into the balcony that Tristan was on and stared down the stared down the van of the screamers um so this is linking back to fright house screamers which you can listen to if you are a patron contributor to midnight marinara 
or if you want to go back and listen to the more mixed up version that we did in a live stream that's like two or three hours long. Mm-hmm. Um, that's up to you, though. Uh, wasn't wasn't it hinted in Fright House Screamers that Forensic was the one going around um, disturbing ghosts at all the places they went to? Like, I got the impression in that story that for, that Forensic or Frederick or Shaq or whatever he is at this point in time was actually stalking them with supernatural powers at this point. Uh, I've read it twice and you can listen to me read it twice and I have no idea. Yep. No clue. Okay. That was the impression I took away from it. But then again, eh, what do you know? You never know anything with these. My favorite thing about the, the, the fright house screamer story um, is in that story, it establishes a ghosts are totally real <laughs> and B it's not a huge deal. <laughs> no. <laughs> Did, hey, does this Winchester rifle piss you off? I'm going to leave it in here. <laughs> ghosts are totally real and it is our job to fuck with them. <laughs> Tonight on ghost fuckers. <laughs> Once the police uh, this is the this is the symbol of good babies. <laughs> Painstakingly searching this area the size of Wales. Once the police had arrived, Frederick silently got out of the vicinity. Now, how did Frederick become forensic? It all began after the police raid and murder of Jonathan Taylor Thomas. A few months after the murder, Frederick moved yet again to the town of Aberdeen, Washington. During Aberdeen. His time, Aberdeen. During his time there, Frederick grew an intense hate for the Nick Jr. employees who made Happy Appy because he thought the old Happy Appy wasn't perfect. Frederick was presented with a dilemma. He wanted to kill his old employees, but he also wanted to hide his identity. But, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Don't you already have the perfect disguise, James Williamson? <sighs> I was I was saying, uh, Aberdeen, Washington. Daniel Bryan's from there. Welcome to Undercooked Arrestlesis. <laughs> where where is so he's from Aberdeen, Washington? Yes. Okay, well don't let that distract you from the fact that in nineteen ninety eight the Undertaker threw mankind off Hell in a Cell and plummeted sixteen feet <laughs> through I mean, an announcer I, I, would, I would not let that distract me if it wasn't nineteen ninety seven. Mm. 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 Don't let that distract you from in 2016 when, anyway. <laughs> um, any fuckle. Um, Napoleon. Okay. I... <laughs> <laughs> you need a moment? Yeah, sorry. Uh, I read ahead that's in that sentence as I was reading it out loud. and mm-hmm. I did, too. I hope everyone's ready for a very accurate portrayal of mental illness. <laughs> Napoleon decided to change into a new split personality called Forensic. Because <laughs> fuck it, let's just make a new one. <laughs> How Frederick got the name is unknown, but the most accepted answer is that he watched a show on Forensics. <laughs> <laughs> 
You wanted so, to make a unique... <laughs> wasn't... Okay. Let's just get this out of the way. Jarrison came up with the term forensic, didn't he? We thought... No. He, he we thought, thought he came up with the term forensic, but then he, fa- but he, then it turns out he ca- he came up with it because the day he saw forensic, he found a piece of paper that said, "I am forensic." Yeah, yeah that's right. That it turns out was left by forensic. That is the most unbelievable retcon <laughs> in existence in anything ever. So and, par and for the I course, par for the course I, for Happy Happy. Yes, and I uh, appreciate Metal Gear Solid and Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> but you appreciate Breath of the Wild as well, so. That since, he, since he wanted to make a unique name, and forensic wasn't catchy enough, oh. Frederick changed the S to a Z and the C to a K. After Frederick created the forensic personality, Nickelodeon kept getting death threats in the mail by him every other day. <laughs> Hello, I'm Edgelord. How are you guys doing? Since some people were still affected by the anthrax scares. What? Nickelodeon would iron out every one of his envelopes to read what was inside. Even though the death threats were somewhat brutal, Nickelodeon shrugged most of it off as a sick prank. Remember, this is the studio that hired that Lauer guy to make uh, Crybaby Lane and, you know, Squidward Suicide happened at the same studio. The uh, Ukahaku, everybody. Ukahaku. They wouldn't just throw, they didn't throw away the, the death threats. They they went through the trouble of ironing them open. <laughs> I, by the way, uh, I'm all for that becoming like an IRL greeting amongst fans of this podcast. <laughs> Ukahaku. <laughs> <laughs> just yes, just do a hand, do, do the proper hand gesture and just greet each other with Ukahaku. Or or we could do it like they do in Ireland. It's like uh, uh, top of the Uka to you and. The rest of the ahaka to, to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, that. Oh my god. <laughs> a month uh, after a month of death threats, Frederick decided to try something new. A letter came in the mail of a local Nickelodeon broadcaster. The envelope said, "I want to know more about SpongeBob on it." So a few employees thought it wasn't a death threat from Forensic. However, an employee didn't buy it. So he took the letter and put it on his office desk. Looking at his watch, he realized that his cue was over. So he left the room and forgot to iron the letter. An intern at the station came into the office and opened the letter, thinking it was already ironed out. um, An intern who should probably be fired for opening someone else's mail. (laughs) (sighs) was about to be fired from existence in general because we know how this goes. We know how Forensic does these things. He's a tricky person. See, if you were making this intentionally bad, you would say an envelope said, I want to know more about uh, a lost episode of SpongeBob. <laughs> yes. See, that's what that's where I would go with this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyway. I know, it's where you would go with it. Um, 
I want to say earlier from that first paragraph, the whole Napoleon thing was super pointless. We, oh, for sure. Legit, just could have just been forensic from the get-go. Like, he could have formed that personality after he fucking killed and ate a cat. I don't know if he actually ate the cat, but I like to think that he ate the cat. He hide the he he uh hide hid the cat and ate the cat. Hide the cat, eat the cat. He helps kids all day. However, the letter was a trick from forensic. Gasp! <gasps> As anthrax spread everywhere, <laughs> everyone oh rushed. Oh my god! <laughs> everyone rushed out of the building, and within a matter of seconds, decontamination teams were sent out. The intern who opened the letter died. Okay, and forensic was officially labeled as a threat. In 2005, Kevin Christensen, who became a janitor at the Nickelodeon Animation Studio while he fell far, made an epilogue to Happy Appy. It told everyone who watched it to look out for Frederick. However, Frederick moved again to the Big Blue Barn in Alma, Colorado, as the anthrax letter he wrote tipped off the employees to where he was hiding all at the time. When was there ever a Big Blue Barn? What? Was that the same... I thought he was and, in a three-story and, house. And then um, Matt Lauer went over to to well, the the production team for Bear in the Big Blue House, and this <laughs> is where we start the arc of the forensic ex Matt Lauer saga. <laughs> you know, this is the point in the story where I tie in some like real life stuff, and I'd say that this is the reason. You know how like everyone's sad about the fact that like uh, the the proper Nickelodeon Studios doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'd tie in that it doesn't exist anymore because it's full of goddamn anthrax. <laughs> <laughs> Sent how by... did how did Nickelodeon Studios end up like this? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, 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 no. How did Nickelodeon Studios end up like this? Well, Forensic well. <laughs> sent them a letter full of anthrax. Also, I like that it's like there was just an anthrax scare from the Taliban, and now somehow Frederick Shaquille O'Neal has gotten his hands on some anthrax. Holy shit, Forensic is in league with the Taliban. <laughs> well, we already established that Forensic did 9-11, so... Mm-hmm. His first real murder as forensic, was in 2006. Wow, it took you long enough, forensic. His first costume didn't have the iconic gas mask. I love that they put that in quotes. <laughs> it's like, look, we're not gonna, we're not gonna jerk you around on this. We know it's not iconic. <laughs> forensic was bundled under a lot of winter clothing because the first two murders he had committed were during the fall-winter season. He also wore a ski mask so no one could see his face. The first person that Forensic killed was Miranda. Frederick loathed her because she kept talking back to him when he commanded her to be in the episodes, which was exactly why her character was killed. Forensic found her house a lot easier than Quincy because she still lived in Alma. Forensic broke into her house in the dead of night. Miranda woke up and ran to the phone in the living room. Man, if you if you haven't like listened or read 
the original Happy Happy. You must be fucking confused at this point. <laughs> uh, it's hard for me to keep track of anyone in this story anymore, even having read Happy Happy. Yeah, here's the thing. We have, and I only still only sort of know what the fuck is going on. Does Jeronian even know what the fuck is going on? I, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he does. Or she. By the way, that invitation is still on the table, Dronian. You come come on to the show, goddammit. <laughs> if if you're if if you are a hundred percent standing by behind the fact that this is all intentionally bad, I mean we'll give you a forum. We'll we will give you a public forum to state so. And oh, we'll we will get to the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Also, Sorry. I'm sure people are if if you haven't listened to this before and this is your new undercooked analysis, and you're just like, why, why is this character holding a basketball, and why do they keep referring to him as Shaq? <laughs> um, uh, go watch the first three Happy Abbeys anyway. Anyway. Uh, right before she could, Forensic jumped, at, uh, jumped her and stabbed her to death with what became his uh, scimitar knife. He ran away. Before that, it wasn't his knife. Afterwards, it was his knife, though, once he killed someone. No, 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 no. What the fuck does that mean? Scimitar knife? <laughs> what became his scimitar knife? Did he is... always have a scimitar wait, knife? Wait, wait, no. No, was no, no, no. Was that supposed to beforehand, be signature? <laughs> beforehand, he had it, and it was, a, it, it was a completely straight combat knife, but it got twisted up inside of her and came out curved like a scimitar. <laughs> so... <laughs> Before then, it was just a combat knife to clear up any confusion. I legit might think. I legit think that word was originally supposed to be signature. Wait. Oh, really? Mm. Oh. It could. You know what? You know what? This is just that weird Al song. You know why does this always happen to me? Where. He stabs his boss in the face, but wouldn't you know it, my knife got stuck, and I bent the tip a little bit, and now it'll never be quite as sharp again. This is that part personified. <laughs> Why oh, does man. this always happen? Why does this always happen? He ran away right before her husband discovered Miranda's body. He called the police, and while the police were, they confiscated a note. <laughs> While the police were, they confiscated the note. <laughs> While the police existed. <laughs> uh, the woman I just killed starred on a show that I that doesn't name. That doesn't even sound a little bit like Shaq. No, it's not. He's trying to disguise his voice. <laughs> Wait, no, In this no, letter. I, no, I know how Shaq sounds. <laughs> yes, you, the you woman do I your... just killed... Yes. Do, do your do your shack sense. <laughs> <laughs> shack sense. <laughs> now the woman I just killed starred on a show that I will not name, but I will say that it starred a happy apple. Her <laughs> role was Miranda, and she annoyed me, to say the least. That's why I killed her. Have fun finding me. Sincerely, Shaquille O'Neal. P.S. Yes, I'm the same Shaquille O'Neal from the Anthrax bombing. Go me. <laughs> Go me. <laughs> okay. 
the woman I just killed started a show that I will not name, but I will say that it starred a happy apple. <laughs> I'm just imagining the police all standing around like, <sighs> does anyone have Google on their phone? Anyone have a smartphone? Yeah. No? Well, I uh, guess... Case. Let's close the case then, I mean... <laughs> I guess... Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know. No, 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 no. Uh, Barnes, Barnes, I know exactly what that is. Sad, happy, pin cushion show. Isn't that the, isn't that the snuff film? <laughs> I mean, I think so. Didn't that air on Noggin for a bit? <laughs> I don't think so. I think that's just a snuff film. Oh. Well, then I retract my previous statement. <laughs> and I have never seen have such been- a thing. Have you been watching snuff films? <laughs> um, look over there, a Rube Goldberg machine runs into their house. Oh, sweet! I love those! <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, that Rube Goldberg machine is made of dead children. <laughs> and it seems to distribute a band-aid at the end of it. That is such an amazing fucking, like, album name. <laughs> I'd name an album, this Rube Goldberg machine is made of dead children. <laughs> That's a long album name, but I love it. Uh, <sighs> even though they heavily investigated the scene, they could not find a single fingerprint. After mm-hmm. a year, Miranda's murder was declared a cold case. No one knew who Forensic was going to kill next. <laughs> really? <laughs> Everything Forensic does is mysterious. <laughs> Forensic. No, uh, no, forensic, no. forensic is sincerely not like some of those other clowns that aren't really creepy. He doesn't say generic things like I am 666. No, he doesn't. No one knew who Forensic was going to kill next. He wasn't cool enough to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> forensic wasn't cool enough to knock on your door and say, I'm so fresh you could suck my nuts. Swag. <laughs> um... The police researched the episodes of Happy Happy to try to find out who was going to get killed next. They were too late because later that year, Forensic had killed Quincy in his home in Helena, Montana. See, they were watching the show, and like right as they got to the part where Happy Happy said, I'm going to kill Quincy in his home in Helena, Montana, they found out Quincy was dead in Helena, Montana. (laughs) (laughs) The The police were baffled about how he had killed him. Once Quincy had heard about Miranda's death, he locked his doors and barred his windows and didn't think to, like, contact the cops. He's gonna Quincy, fucking kill me! Quincy realized that he was potentially in danger, but not enough to, like... Couldn't he be in, like, a, couldn't he be in, like some mm. sort of protection program? Like, And yet, this forensic man had managed to kill him. <laughs> After Quincy's murder, forensic donned new clothing. To make him... Why the fuck is this relevant? (laughs) To make him more agile, he wore a brown overcoat, denim jeans, and tall gray boots. During this change, the most infamous part of his new clothing made the debut. The red-eyed gas mask with Happy Appy's death smile. Okay, you guys do understand, though, that uh, brown coats, denim jeans, tall gray boots, and a gas mask with red eyes... All four of those give you agility buffs. Yeah. It's it's a complete set. You know, like, yeah. he gets the great fairy bonus from wearing all right. the same item. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> down coat, down jeans, gray boots, gas mask, yeah. Boys of time bomb. <laughs> the boys of anthrax envelope. I don't, I don't know why Quincy thought that this would work, like locking his door and barring his windows, because his house wasn't fireproof. Lock right. your doors, bar your windows, and steal yourself for mysterious suspense. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, it wasn't and... fire. Hold, hold on. Uh, you know what I, I love about this, too? I was just thinking, all the potentially interesting stuff, like the actually interesting stuff where there could be tension is glossed over to explain the most inane, insipid details that we don't give a shit about. Which would be cool if it was designed to be purposely misleading for a bigger story. Yes. Because that, that's, that's something that Ashcan Horror does all the time, is distract you from um, the real story. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> yep. not here. Because nope. it's just a... We don't even know how Quincy was murdered, per se. And Miranda's just like, oh... He stabbed her. There's no tension. There's no... Speaking of which, I only listened to this recently, but uh, that I really liked that watermelon one you did, DP. Oh, uh, Sukiyawari. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, that that is uh, not a horror story through... There, there's like 10 seconds of it. That's a horror story. The rest of it is just a happy story. But, I mean, it had the... Absolutely everyone in the comments was saying, like, like before we got to the end, they assumed it was going to be about, like, him accidentally cracking the drunk girl's head open with the bat. <laughs> and in any other creepypasta story, that's exactly where it would have gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I guess go check out Sukiyawari. <laughs> yeah. It is a good story. It is a good, it is good story. Good. I'm proud of it. Um, As you should be. Uh, all right, let's. So it doesn't tell us. Let's theorize. How did uh, Shaquille S. Shaquille kill Quincy? He dunked it's, on him. It, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, but I read ahead the next two paragraphs. It does not tell you. No, but it doesn't tell you. Let's, no, it doesn't fucking tell you. Which no, is. We are adding to the Uka, we're adding to the Ukahaka. How did he get killed? Uh, got dunked on. Yeah. See, this is the only I've, logical explanation. He got dunked on. Okay, here's my here's my theory. Okay. Uh, Quincy's at home. He's got his door his windows uh, barred and his door is locked. Um, um, sweaty. His knees weak. <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously he doesn't want to go outside because if he does, then he's going to get killed. Right. So he's having someone deliver his food. He's using like Kroger's click list and he's just having his food delivered. Forensic sees this happening, kills the person delivering the food and instead um, finds his Oreos and poisons his Oreos with anthrax and then uh, rings the doorbell, runs away. Here's, and then here's what I think <laughs> this guy, because we have no frame of reference for the time. This guy is getting his food delivered for like a straight month. <clears throat> for he, he's also independently working. He this food delivery in like the first week. Yeah. And he finds out about this food delivery thing like the first week. So in three weeks, he gets a job at Kroger. <laughs> <laughs> works up to 
like being the food delivery guy uh-huh. and waits for the next order from uh, uh, Quincy mm-hmm. and then shows up to his doorstep and kills him. Gotcha. That makes sense. Ingenious. Do you can't you can't pull that forensic can just pull anything out of nowhere, man. He's just a and, wizard at murdering people in the most creative so, ways. <laughs> Freddy Krueger can eat his heart out. Forensic at forensic. I, I really <laughs> wanted to catch you off because there's something exceptionally endearing about the title. Oh, he is a wizard of murder. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> A wizard at murder. <laughs> he's a wizard at murder. Well, considering how quickly how he's able to get into places and also able to fireproof houses, or was that Jerusalem? That's Jerusalem left Jerusalem, the, made, Jerusalem made fireproof thing. houses. Um, but you know, you don't have. He doesn't leave any evidence. You know. Nope. He doesn't leave yep. any forensic evidence. Yeah. Ah. Uh, sure but he leaves. He leaves letters and shit around that say like, "I am forensic." Also, oh, he leaves arms in bushes with people's names written on them. God damn it, guys, there are two paragraphs left. <laughs> I know, we're trying to pad this out. <laughs> don't address it, Alan. We're, try- we're trying to pad this out. We don't want people to know we're trying to pad this out. You know, um, I'll just edit this part out. Yes. yes. Uh, and, so, the deaths caused by forensic piled up. Most of them were people who were related to Happy Happy. Eventually, you know, like his cousin, (laughs) (laughs) his aunt, Auntie Happy. He's just he's just related to the Apple family. Yes, like Pinkie Pie. Uh, Eventually, (laughs) four major employees left were were left. They were Kevin Christensen, Jim Forrester, Tristan Yeh. Uh, Tristan Ye and Tristan Drews. Oh my fucking god! Um, unfortunately, forensic for forensic, Kevin knew he was going to get killed first of the four because he screamed at Frederick. <laughs> what? <laughs> he had he had warned someone about forensic and Happy Happy. After a day, he chose mm, mm, burps, Dorito burps. Um, he chose his next door neighbor, Jerusalem. Yokolev, in the middle of the night, Kevin snuck into his garage and put a DVD of Happy Happy in a visible spot. A few days later, on February 26th, Kevin was going to get groceries when he got tackled by Forensic. Definitely not Nate. Definitely not Nate. This is now establishing... That Jerusalem was set up from Jump Street. I kind of can. Can we acknowledge that this is actually a kind of cool plot point? You mean that Jerusalem didn't stumble into Happy yeah. Happy on his own? Like they yeah, used the rest, as a plan? the rest of it. Yeah, the rest of it. He keeps discovering it in stupid ways, but this is actually a pretty cool retcon. <laughs> why? Why he did? Why of all people? Did he choose his random next door neighbor? Because he um, hates weird Middle he, Eastern Russians, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Because he knew he was that like perfect amount of on the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Where he might investigate this. 
where he would just become like obsessed with this bizarre kids show and he would find the truth and eventually go on to destroy forensic maybe yes. maybe, maybe because um every day kevin was kept up in the middle of the night because he kept hearing simple and clean coming from next door <laughs> he said hmm hmm okay that's a good sign and then he snuck over there and planted the dvd Jarosim Only someone is, who appreciates Jarosim Kingdom is, Hearts as much as this guy can Jarosim is his neighbor who won't shut up about stuff like Squidward suicide. <laughs> <laughs> he knows. He knows the dark secrets of Nickelodeon. Oh, man. <sighs> this is the last paragraph of Forensic, but then... But then... Forensic stabbed Christensen multiple times before waiting for Jarosim to go to Kevin's wife's house. On the next day, Jerison drove to Kevin's house after reading the message left on Happy's trick. After driving home, after driving back home, knowing that something was stalking him, Jerison ran into his house and looked back. Forensic was there, holding up Christensen's mutilated arm. Okay, can, I've been waiting this whole time since the very beginning to address this, and I saved my load. Who the fuck is our author here? Yep. Where are yeah. we getting this information? Yeah. Yep. It is this is this years after the fact, and we're just getting the is Jerusim attempting to write because it's written in Jerusim's usual style, you know. Yeah. But true. but is he just writing flatteringly about himself, trying to write the epic full story? This is the tale. Uh, this is to this is the documentary about. Frederick Gorgot and how he became the way he became. And I'm just going to include myself as a character here, but write this as a ghostwriter, like, or maybe under a different uh, pseudonym. So no one suspects it's me or just anonymously. I have no idea. I'm trying to think of a fun in universe reason. We'll have, we'll have to go to the law offices of Kevin Christensen, Jim Forrester, Tristan Yeh, and Tristan Drews to find this out. Because <laughs> oh, we, we have no forensic evidence. No, none whatsoever. Plenty of Jira symptoms, no forensic evidence. This is a, uh, this is a, a Jira pandemic. A Jira-demic. I, I do like that he, he does get Agility boost from brown coat, denim jeans, tall gray boots, and red-eyed gas mask. <laughs> before then, he, before then, he he was kind of more well balanced on his character sheet. But yeah. Now now he's a munchkin. Now he's min maxed to hell. Oh yeah, forensic. Well, he knew what he was doing. He spent all that time in the woods leveling up by killing weak enemies like cats. Well, he he heard that 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 was the thing to do because everyone was talking about how in um, Elfheim, uh, agility builds were really working out well. <laughs> God <laughs> fucking damn it. Oh, boy. Uh, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So, so we, we the, you know, in, in universe, let's explain this out, where we've recorded these first two parts, mm-hmm. and... Uh, the next parts are going up later, and another recording session. Uh, if you get your comments in now, we can probably respond to them in the next episode. 
I would love yeah. to respond to them in the next episode. Um, so this we, is a call to action. Hit us up on social media platforms to talk about this. That way we can be more well-informed next time we go delving into the forensic journals. We're going to actually start the forensic journals proper. And there's just enough of these that I think we're going to be in for a wild ride. But I think we should be able to get through the forensic journals in, wait a minute, that's pretty long. We'll see if we can get through it in one episode. If not, we'll split it in two. Also in the next episode, la-da-da-da-da, it's the motherfucking D-O-double-G. <laughs> la-da-da-da-da. You know I'm mobbing with the D-R-E. Make sure you don't forget about what happened at the Civics Arena in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Do not WrestleMania 12. <laughs> do not let that distract you from the fact that in 1998, Undertaker threw Mankind off Hell in a Cell and fell 16 feet through an announcer's table. Alright? Are we clear? Good. It's... Yeah. Good. Yeah. Thank you again to our patrons for pushing us to do this. We have a long ways to go still. The character for of nothing has gotten any clearer whatsoever. A couple oh, not years, even a little bit. Not even slightly. If anything, it just adds. It just furthers the confusion that exists in this universe. The Ukahaku is a convoluted nightmare that would put the writers of Lost to shame. Except it, that that you know what that's that's what we're dealing with here. The kind of thing is this is the kind of thing where you appreciate lost. <laughs> At least they attempted to find a solution with it, but I mean, once you know what the smoke monster is, it's kind of disappointing. Can I talk shit about the movie Old Boy for a second? Sure. Yeah. Have you guys seen the movie Old Boy? No. No, but I know about Old Boy. Old Boy is a movie about a guy who gets trapped inside a cell that looks like a hotel room for 15 years. And while he's in there, he's training to become like a martial arts badass. And then when he gets out, he's on his quest to figure out who trapped him there. And the question that you go into the movie th- like watch, wondering is like, ooh, who, who is this shadowy organization that trapped him in this hotel room for 15 years and fed him food through the door? and everything and then that's explained away in like five minutes and then the question is like what are the motives and it's like i don't give a shit about the motives i want to know about the conspiracy and then the conspiracy is just oh there's a company that will do that that's on the black market snore is that was that in the original like because i know they remade it did an american remake i haven't seen the american remake Good. I would not. I would not recommend the movie. It is a giant disappointment. It sets itself up like it's going to be a thriller. It's not a thriller. It's kind of like a crappy action movie. Are the fight so, scenes at least any good? No. Just that go watch the Protector. Said, Just go watch the Protector. Go that watch that. Said, go watch the scene where he's going up the uh, stairs in that one cool room. Oh, when he's yelling about his uh, at the end. His he's elephant. About his elephant. I love that yeah. scene. I love that scene. Just go watch uh, it on YouTube instead and mourn the fact that Old Boy is actually a crappy movie. Um, that being said, if you want to see a couple of movies that never once lie about the movies they are going to be, uh, you can't go wrong with both John Wick movies. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> uh, the Raid is pretty good. That's my movie recommendation involving action. And oh, I'm The sure... Raid is amazing. Yeah. Um, Mad Dog is cool, and everything um, in that movie is cool. Uh, District B13. That's that's one. That's a kind of obscure one I'll recommend. Sweet deal. You know, you know what I'd recommend is uh, Undertaker versus Mankind uh, at Hell at, at WrestleMania two when they had a Hell in the Cell match. Oh, the one so, where they were on top of the cage. My God. So I, I just googled Shitty Morph, and he, he switched things up a little bit because he now refers to the match as Heck in the Cell. <laughs> Heck and subscribe. Anyway, that's probably it, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so do we, next do we time... want to plug anything? Oh, yeah, let's let's plug stuff. Do we have anything to plug? Uh, uh, go ahead. Okay. So I have a video called Suki Awari, since it was brought up in this video. That is a really good one to watch. It's spelled S-U-I-K-A-W-A-R-I. Suki Awari. And it is about otaku's uh getting drunk before they go off to college and the the good time that they have um i'm gonna plug that my goal is that before the end of april the final two videos in the revolver series will be out Mm. so that's at ignis pergamentum uh also go subscribe to drunken pirate gaming nights um also, subscribe to Coffee and Pie. The other thing I want to... Well, the main thing I want to plug is that we are, obviously, with the release of the Forensic Journals, this is because we hit our last stretch goal on Patreon, which is getting to $300 a month. We have a new one, and it's pretty easily attainable. That's 350 a month. And the idea is that when we hit that, we've done live streams before, but they've been sporadic. If we hit 350 a month and that stays consistent, we are going to start doing monthly live streams. We'll let you guys know well in advance when we'll do those on on YouTube and where you can find us and what we will read. Uh, I will say right now our plan for the first of the monthly live streams, and these will be, like again, regular things. Uh, we're going to look at NES Godzilla. That's the plan. I'm sticking to it. It's going to be need, fun. I'll need painkillers for my throat, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Luckily, a lot of it is pictures. That is going to be a marathon. <laughs> uh, there, We'll have a bunch of us in there. Um, I know that specifically Slime Beast has expressed an interest in being in that one, and I would mm-hmm. certainly not remiss we'd not be remiss to have him in there. It'd be great. Uh, so at least the three of us and Slimy are going to do it. I'd like Kayla to be there as well. And hell, maybe we can get Sober involved because it's a game and we typecast him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to do a tentative plug here and say that come July, and it's been hinted at a couple times here, but come July, there's going to be something pretty significant happening for both Midnight Marinara and Undercooked Analysis. And uh, it's going to involve uh, a bunch of us meeting up in person. I don't want to say too much about it yet. I'm still waiting for some details to fall into place. 
Some things have been confirmed. Some things are still waiting to be uh, given dates. But suffice to say, come the end of July, there's going to be a bizarre sort of gathering with certain parties, many of which are in this chat. And if our prayers are answered, things will get dumb. Like, really dumb. One might say angelically dumb. <laughs> Too yeah, much of fake. heaven <laughs> can bring you underground. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com. <laughs>